Hello and welcome to the BBC R&D Human Values podcast. A lot has happened since our previous podcast series and now we want to interview a few key people that have been on this journey with us as we find these cases and explore how the human values framework can be used alongside other existing frameworks. We hope you enjoy this podcast series and please get in touch with us if anything you hear catches your interest. We can be contacted on humanvalues.io. Here's Ian Forrester from BBC R&D, who will be your host. Thank you, Marisa. And we will start the interview with an introduction by the guests. So uh, my name is Chris Norford. I am the head of development for the Tech for Good startup Culture Shift, who are a Tech for Good startup based in Stockport near Manchester. And what we do is we make uh, tools and offer kind of consultancy that helps uh, workplaces and universities and other other parts of the public sector um, support uh, members of staff and students who have been victims of bullying, harassment, and sexual violence in the in the workplace or educational setting. So um, that's what I do now. Um, in a past life, um, I was a freelance software developer. Uh, before that, I was working for the BBC. I was actually working in R and D. I think about the time the human values um, work was kicking off, but I, I kind of left before it was kind of really going full 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 pelt and um before that as well i was actually on the bbc graduate scheme so i worked on uh software like uh, bbc bite size bbc i wonder which is the adult learning stuff and bbc taster which is the experimental bit thank you chris um so yeah you you i guess your background's kind of more software engineering um i know that that term seems to change quite a lot but um one of the things I'm really interested in is, and the team's interested in, is um, you. Know, a lot of people have come to the notion of like human values or ethical design or you know this whole area uh, recently, but they tend to have little things that have kind of like steered them in that direction. So I'm going to ask you: Is there is there something that, or is there things that have kind of led you? in this way and um would you like to name what they are or maybe that you have you can't think of any at the moment but also is your interest in this area kind of uh professional or or kind of personal or a bit of both yeah so so my interest in uh human values kind of um kind of crept up on me really so um i a long time ago um about seven or eight years now i was working on bbc bite size in scotland so this was uh you know relaunching the site for, for change to the scottish curriculum and I, I quite enjoyed that work it, it was really nice and rewarding to me to have worked something that actually you know was part of my childhood as well you know 10 15 20 years previously um and um i kind of I was in that, I was doing that, and I, I was kind of enjoying the technical challenge. And I hadn't really realized how much I was enjoying the kind of the impact, it was, the positive impact it was making on people's lives. Um, after I left the BBC to go to go contracting, uh, I was working for a major retailer on their loyalty card scheme. And I very quickly realized that um, I hated it. It really was not for me in the slightest. Uh, you know, this, you know, kind of like maximizing uh, revenue and, you know, scraping data and, and collecting data about the, um, you know, the shoppers at this retailer were re really not for me. And I, I kind of missed that, even though there was some technical challenges in there, actually, what I really enjoyed about the work I was doing on Byteside wasn't wasn't just the technical challenge. It was the fact that the technical challenge was being applied in a way that, you know, was helping 
helping people pass their exams, helping people learn, helping people get better in life. And um, after I came to that realization, um, there, there were two things I did. One is I decided to, to write a book called The Full Stack Developer. And that was my way of giving back a lot of the knowledge and the technical knowledge that I had to the uh, wider wider software development community. And that wasn't just technical knowledge as well. That was, um, you know, the, it has a chapter on ethics, which is actually quite rare for a programming textbook. Um, but it was about the kind of the, the whole the whole uh, discipline of software development, which goes far beyond writing code. It's the you know the project management, it's the elements of design, accessibility, and all that kind of stuff. And I make the very made the very deliberate decision beyond that to, to try and work on products that are meaningful. Um, I discovered a movement um, called effective, effective altruism, which was uh, about um, there's an element of it which is kind of giving what we can. So it was a you know highly paid software developer, like certainly globally highly paid. Um, giving some money to that in the most effective way possible. But there's also an element of it called like the 80,000 hours, which is how can you um, work in the most effective way possible? And I've kind of used that as, as, a, as a guideline within my career decisions and professional decision, decisions going forward. And um, so I guess because the, the distinction between personal and, and work are a blur, is that, is that true? Yeah, so definitely to to some extent that that those worlds worlds become blurred. I think um, I've fallen into a trap that many software developers do, and certainly in my earlier career, you know, I'd, I'd go to work, write code, come home and work on side projects, which also involved writing code because I, I thought that's what you had to do to get ahead, and I and I really enjoyed it. But um, more recently, I've decided that um, a lot of the kind of the the good I want to do in the world um, isn't just through technology. And I actually decided to get uh, involved in politics. And I you know, recently stood and, and lost, sadly, uh, in our in our city council elections. Um, but I wanted to um, thought that would be a good opportunity to you know have positive impacts on on people's lives. And it's you know it's really hard to have that at scale. Much harder to have that at scale outside of technology. But you know, um, bike lanes and potholes matter too. So, so I'm gonna I'm gonna try and uh, take you back to when you signed up to the uh, Human Values uh, workshop. I know it was a long time ago, um, but if there's anything you can kind of remember, or even like your motivation for 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 joining the workshop, um, and then maybe if there's anything you do remember about the workshop. Uh, even if it's one thing, um, just kind of like uh, something that you might want to talk about. Yeah, so so I went and decided to take part in the Human Values Workshop for a bunch of reasons. Uh, one is um, I I think it's a great project. I I really um, agree with the with what it's trying to achieve. Um, I think it's it's very easy for technology as a whole to kind of get um, caught up on uh, the Silicon Valley way of looking at things, which is about scale, hyper growth. Um, and you know how can we extract revenue when it's kind of this this new form of capitalism which is not necessarily um, a good thing i i really like that element of the project i obviously um from having worked for bbc really trusted um the people who are running it so there's some really really great people um behind it and i was kind of keen to you know reconnect with them a little bit as well as that you know part of a selfish reason to come along um and also in my professional life obviously a, a culture shift um, our our users and our customers aren't the same thing. So we we sell to businesses and universities, um, and but our users are often uh, the victims um, who who obviously work for those places or study at those places. Um, and the way we approach design, um, a culture shift is is very different 
to the way a typical tech startup would approach design because you have to approach design you know it's it's in in some way it is about conversions we want people to to submit the reports for people to reach out and get and get the um, support they need but the way you approach it is very very different to the way that um, you would normally approach making a sale getting a conversion you know capturing some content for a lead and i thought the human values work would be a good way of helping us professionally and take that back into the design that we we were doing internally and is, is there anything that you've kind of that sticks out in your in your memory about the workshop um i know it's really because it's quite a long time ago but is there anything like maybe there was like a because i know you were in, in a group with um mixed disciplines so is there anything that you heard or you thought that was interesting or anything like that yeah so to be perfectly honest probably not so much i think because of the mixed discipline i think there was people coming at it from um maybe who had less experience in design and certainly in product design so there's a lot of um sharing of the work we were doing which i, I hope helps them but I, I don't think i probably got as much from from them as as i gave and is there anything that you kind of like has have taken away or even maybe something that you've started doing since the workshop maybe it's kind of like uh you know uh maybe it's just that it just happened to be around the same time but i wonder if there's any influence that the workshop might have had on on yourself or the business i think the the main the main thing the workshop i took away from is actually um it was pretty aligned with a lot of the internal design um principles we had and the way we approach the product design the service design that we do so it's quite reassuring to know that actually we are um what we're trying to do is very much in line with obviously uh what some of the research that the bbc are doing and that there is a lot of compatibility there so it kind of like gave me really confidence that the the, the design approach we're taking is um is human-centered do you think there's anything that um, would um, it, it would be useful for? So, like for example, if you were talking to a new client um, and to be able to go, look, this is our this is our kind of strategy, our our framework, and look, this is this is kind of this this is the BBC is also looking at this as well. You know, do you think there's something like that that it could could be useful for? So I think one of one of the things that um, I found working in industry is um, there's essentially two 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 types of people we tend to deal with. There's the the um, people who are kind of the support workers or the case workers or the HR departments or however it, the clients are structured, um, who who are not not particularly tech savvy. So they they obviously benefit from you know human centered design approach, but um, indirectly. So they're not not really aware of it. They just stay. I like your product. You know, it's one of the it's better designs and a lot of the internal systems we use, which is always great to hear. Um, and the other type of people we deal with are IT and procurement teams who are essentially they have a checklist and they want to go down checklist and say, do you do you comply with, you know, WCAG 2.1 AA for accessibility standards? You know, do you have ISO 9001, blah, 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 um, or 2701, uh, whichever one it is. And uh, we always go, yes, yes, yes. And it's, it's always this kind of very, very, you know, these questions about are you compliant with the law are you compliant with industry best practices from a very very it perspective there's very very little discussion outside of um, accessibility which actually not even all of them ask about um about you know how how's your product designed and i think if if human-centered design sorry um human values uh driven design became a much more 
a widely recognized term within the wider industry, we'd be able to go, yes, we, you know, we do practice human values uh, in our design. And obviously that's something that um, should deliver value for you and your organization and, you know, hopefully make us stand out from our competitors. But I don't think within the wider industry that the term and the framework has, has the traction uh, yet to help us do that. If, although I hope when it does, we'll say, hey, we've been doing this for a long time. We did it for the start and it, it's, it's what we want to do. Thank you. That's yeah, that's excellent. Um, so one of the things that always kind of strikes me is um, so is exactly that point that you just made. You know, trying to get it into into wider industry. Um, so one of the things that we've been doing is um, we've created kind of uh, an online assessment. Um, so similar to the workshop, but but a little bit more pointed. Um, and also you can imagine it's a bit of a psychometric test. Um, but th the idea right now is to create this kind of online assessment with quite a few questions, and then it will give you a rough idea of, of where things can be improved, how you're doing well on certain things. Um, and then that would lead to, okay, this is a this is an online assessment. Let's say you say much you could do in this. Um, there could be, you know, well, we're thinking about having a half day assessment in person or virtual um, to go through the assessment and go through some of the questions um, in a lot more detail. I was wondering if that was of interest to, to you. And do you think, I'm asking lots of questions here, but do you think it would be useful for the industry? So I think there's a, always a chicken and egg thing about assessments is like, you can do an assessment, but if no one recognizes it, then then does it mean it? And people won't people won't do them if no one recognizes it, and it won't be recognized until it's a, a big enough thing. So I think the, the question is like, how do you how do you kick that off, and how do you start that? And you know, we certainly within the UK, uh, things like the GDS design principles are really highly regarded. So that's something that we we use as well within our products. And I think those those kind of um, certainly with GDS, who are obviously a really interesting organization, is they are also trying to apply, you know, something similar to human values in the way in the way they do it. Obviously, they frame it quite differently, but there's a lot of compatibility there. Um, I for me, it's like it's not necessarily about the assessments at this point. Uh, I, I would say um if you're gonna do a half-day workshop, it'd be about training and delivery. So kind of to, to give people a different framing through especially um designers and product teams and, and you know the what the wider disciplines this framing of which to how to evaluate human values um within their product so we you know we we have long discussions about kpis and what kpis are meaningful to us and obviously there's a lot of standard kpis you can do like um how many you know what is the stickiness how many people return to your product and actually the way that doesn't work for us because the way our product works is um so example a university might be set up so each department has a um you know sexual violence liaison officer and if it just so happens that no one in the history department has, has submitted a report for three weeks that person hasn't logged in because they haven't needed to so does that reflect badly on our software no uh, it's just the way it is so those kind of kpis don't work for us so it's trying to figure out what what the kpis are that that work and actually how do you measure and track um, human value centered KPIs or, or metrics in a way that makes it meaningful to report on. So I think 
um, getting those kind of things in place and, and helping training, supporting organizations to get those in place becomes a lot more meaningful to, to do that internal change and to hopefully kind of embed that in the industry to before you kind of get go ahead with the assessment. And um, if you were to to take part in anything like this, uh, would virtual or in person be preferred? Um, so certainly it's easy to do it virtually. Um, you know, I think over the past well, um, 15 months now, uh, everyone, uh, well, not everyone, but certainly I am very, very comfortable with, with Zoom. I mean, I, I, the podcast listeners won't be able to hear me, but, you know, I've I've bought a ring lamp and a good microphone and, uh, uh, and, a, and a better webcam in order to take advantage of, uh, of this and actually be able to participate as much as I can in the virtual world. And um, it's, it's definitely a lot easier to... Uh, to partake virtually. Obviously there are caveats. I think um, some elements of, of workshops uh, work better in person when you're kind of collaborating. But I think um, there has to be that, you know, trekking, you know, across a city for, for, for an hour long workshop that basically turns an hour long workshop into a three hour long workshop. So, you know, what is the max best way of, get, of getting that if you are going to do the in-person thing? I guess also, especially, um, you have obviously the luxury that you are uh, very close to the BBC, but other people uh, who took part in the workshops were, you know, whole continents away. So, you know, that's always a problem as well. So there, there is um, that element, which is which is always kind of top of mind. Um, I guess the, the, the one thing I was going to say about the, the metrics is really interesting. Uh, obviously, that's a big part of uh, the human values as well. Um, but... Um, I came across um, this this notion of what's well, not notion? It's um, a thing called the triple bottom line, um, which is people as uh, so a profit, people, planet, and it, it kind of strikes me that when it comes to uh, people, the human values could be an interesting, could be a that could be a perfect place for the human values to be. Have you come across it? The triple bottom line or even a double bottom line and um how would you yeah, would you be interested or would you find that interesting to to uh use the human values to kind of um in the kind of people space um so i don't think i've come across the triple, triple bottom line as a concept explained like that but it sounds pretty similar to some other stuff i've done so one of my um, previous workplaces for example they always used to say they had three pillars and it was around uh, technical excellence, um, having a sustainable business, and then also having uh, making positive social change in the world. And similarly, at the Culture Shift, uh, we, you know, our two metrics, um, like the top level metrics of business, are around, you know, making money. We're a startup, we do have to, you know, break even at some point and, and make some money. And also it's about reach. So we want to make sure that we are, helping as many people as possible. So whether that's people in the workplace, students, um, visitors to, to, you know, events, those kind of things. So um, I think certainly, yeah, there's always a challenge about balancing uh, positive social impact, especially if you know an organization has that as a goal and, you know, the money. And, and I don't think they should be um, in, uh, uh, in conflict with each other. I think there's, you know, there's probably a bit of healthy tension there. Um, you know, it would be great, for example, just to give our software away for free, but then we would collapse next month because we wouldn't be able to pay it, the ODS bills or our staff. Um, and I think that's that's the challenge. So it's, um, 
I, I think there's there's probably something in that, and I think there's um, it's just it's tricky to get it right. It's also quite um, organization dependent about how you uh, implement that and what you pick as your as your your things to track. Is there any kind of questions that you had for me? I mean, one thing I was going to say is that so this was um, an, a Nesta funded um, uh, project. Um, this 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 section of it, and um, the deadline uh, is July uh, this year. And so one of the things we're going to do is we're going to write um, a, quite a large document um, outlining some of the feedback from the workshops the podcast, stuff like that. So I was wondering if there's anything that you were wondering about, like what's going to happen next or or have you kind of spotted something that you're like, why are you not doing this? You know, just kind of like any questions for us. Yeah, so I guess I would be curious as to what's happening next. And I think the the main thing is obviously there's there's this framework that's been developed, um, getting that published and getting that kind of distributed and you go to conferences talking about it is is really important. There's also a really important part about how do you make it actionable? How do you make it such that someone can actually pick this up and put it into practice? Um, you know, I think it's this is probably something the BBC is quite constrained at, which is a shame. But you know, oftentimes a lot of um, these new techniques. Come around where basically you get someone who writes a book, goes and hawks a book at conferences, and then goes and does, goes and does consultancy about the things that are talked about in the book, and that ha that is you know a fairly try uh, well tried and tested mechanism of getting these new ideas and the, these new frameworks out there. Um, you can kind of doing like train the trainer type thing. So can can you train people to go out and implement that, and train people to go out and train people how to implement that as well. Uh, so that those are the things I would quite like to see the human values framework doing because I think it's an incredibly valuable piece of work and it and it fills this this gap that I say gets filled ad hoc by different people who say you know obviously in the US you have things I think they're called B corps aren't they uh, in the UK we you know, tend to call them um, uh, tech for good um, or you know even things like CICs um, those kind of like you know or non non like non profits or like less low profit sectors. And yeah, it's it's how do you get those people out there and doing it in, in such a way it's kind of you have to go out there to them and not wait for them to come to you to, to find the work and, and take it to them. So what I'd be interested to know what, what the plans there is and how you kind of want to resolve those challenges. Obviously, we will be um, very open to having more people help us with these challenges and uh, singing the words of our human values. Um, I think one of the key things about the project was to try and um, kind of get organizations to 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 almost be the kind of the um, the cheerleaders for it by by actually using it and um, and kind of seeing the praises of it. Uh, obviously, that's taken some time, and obviously, with the with all the things that have happened, it's been a little bit tricky. But um, yeah, is there any other questions that you had, or uh, no? I think. Uh until that thing i think that i had anyway i would like to thank chris northwood for his honesty and his time if you'd like to know more about the human values then please do join us at humanvalues.io and please visit bbc.co.uk rd for more exciting projects services and technologies You've been listening to 2LO Rebooted from BBC Research and Development, telling the stories of BBC's technology and product groups.